Hello, hello, everyone. This is Heather. And this is Kara. And you're listening to I'm Not Complaining. I'm Just Asking. It's our podcast. Welcome back. Well, today we're going to be talking about the thing is that everyone is talking about, and that is Stranger Things Season 4. It took long enough. It took three years since the conclusion of Season 3 to the premiere of Season 4. Three real-world years. It's too long. Well, you got to give them a little bit of slack because the whole world was shut down for quite some time, and then they had to figure out protocol and how to safely resume. All that factored in. And plus... They had a lot to figure out to make this season happen, story-wise, production-wise. This season is insane. Let me just say, this season did not disappoint. No. I, I, I was really looking forward to this season, and I had to savor because there's... Only so many episodes, and they released it in two parts, but when the first episode came out, I watched it, and then I watched the the first episode again, back to back, and I was like, wow. And I think sometimes what happens when you have a lot of time with a storyline, that you can film a lot of different directions and see how the puzzle pieces fit together, like alternate endings or alternate dialogue, alternate takes. I was so impressed. So impressed with season four because they have figured out how to do... They set the bar higher and higher and higher and they not just meet it, but they exceed it every single time. And I'm like, holy cow. And I thought, I was under the assumption that season four was going to be the last season because the actors are so much older than when they started. Plus add the pandemic COVID three years, like you just said, to get to season four. But what would happen with, with season four, the way it ended... They're, they're like, oh, season five. Here we go. Yeah, I feel <clears throat> because they released nine episodes total for this season four, but they released the first seven. They released the first seven together and then waited about a month, two months, to release the final two. That's eight and nine. And I have no evidence to show it, but I feel that they, you know, filmed one through seven. And then I think they just needed the time to figure out how do we end, how do, do we end it or do we keep it going? And I feel that that, that space in between was that time of them figuring it out. And um, time well spent, I think. 
I think it's also interesting that episode eight and nine are are longer. Yes. Than the it, episodes one through seven. They're they're like full feature length film running times. It's like that meme that says, "Do you want to watch a nine hour film?" No. Do you want to watch nine parts and each part is an hour and 25 minutes? Yes. <laughs> and, with the, and I know people who binge watched all seven episodes in one weekend. And then it's like, oh, now I can't wait for the other two episodes. And then they watch those two episodes right, right away is the day that they came out. And then it's like, okay, but now season five is like two who, years out. I don't even know that they've... They've publicized a release date for that. Because that's a really long way out. I would imagine. I don't have the information of whether they've even started production yet. But they have to start shooting relatively soon. Because the age of the people who are in this... Sh- who with The cast that's in this show. They're not getting any younger. No, and so... They, you can tell the age jump. Even from episode one of season four... To episode nine of season four, it, it it's it's a lot, and I've w- Heather and I are familiar with how long it takes to from when you sh- start shooting a film to when you finish, and then if you have to go back and do reshoots, I mean you can try and rush it as much as you want, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, which. Some movies have insane shooting schedules that they try to shoot a full film in eight, seven, eight months. And that's just like go two, two and a half hours usually. Right. And, and this is these this is nine episodes and each episode is an hour or more. And the way it breaks down with dialogue when you do pages of script of dialogue a page is a minute. So that's a lot of writing. That's a lot of prepping. That's a lot of the let's get the the sets going. Um moving from location to location which I think the majority of it is shot in Georgia. Georgia, which is like where The Walking Dead is shot and a lot of other other Netflix TV series and, and TCM and things like and that. And I believe the Russia stuff was filmed in Lithuania. So they they were in Lithuania for that stuff. So I am so impressed with Stranger Things and the way that they have adapted the storyline and and continually launched and propelled it forward and keep it interesting. They keep it suspenseful. They keep it exciting without it being so, so sci-fi and so, you know, far out there that you're like, wow, this is not realistic at all. I feel like they really walk that fine line very well of, reality and and extreme or just sci-fi fantasy um to your point before we get too far off the subject i looked up how old i literally googled how old were stranger things kids in season one 
and it says the youngest was 10, the oldest was 12 of the core group. And now they are 17 to 20 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, uh, do you want to guess? I'll just tell you. Uh, that the older siblings, you know, um, <laughs> of course, Steve, Nancy, all of them, the older of the kids, they're between 24 and 30 years old now. What's amazing is they're supposed to be seniors in so high school So that's the thing year. for me, when we started watching episode one of this new season, season four, I was so confused about where we were in time because first off, it's a period piece. So it's, it's set in the 1980s and I was confused because Nancy, Steve, um, all of them, they look older. They look great, but they, they look older. And I thought, at minimum, they were now in their first year of college. Come to find out, I was like trying to, you know, um, ground myself in what was happening. And I was like, Nancy's in her senior year of high school. I was like, that didn't translate to me at all. I understand why it had to be because of the story. Because in the story, they're applying the, the, the end of season three to the beginning episode one of season four only six months have passed because it's the summer yes and then it's and then it's spring break so i get it from a story standpoint but i was confused just because everyone had aged so much and there's nothing you can do about it so i give them a pass because that's just what what you gotta do that's life but i was the episode one i was very confused um, so I had to like, you know, orient myself. Um, once I got a handle on that, then I was able to enjoy the rest of the season. But it was a jarring for It me. wasn't for me because, because Steve and Robin are well, getting a new, another job. And then Nancy is talking about college applications and waiting to hear back. And I'm like, oh. Well, I know she was a junior in season three, so she, uh, she, they're obviously in season four. So it made I I was able to get on board because they they're they're trying to figure out where they're going to go here in all of their relationships, and are we going to go to the same college? Are we going to stay here? Am I just going to get a job? Honestly, I- honestly, what I thought when we first see Nancy, she's in the newspaper room or the journalism room for the high school paper. Right. I honestly thought she had gotten a job or an internship at the town's local paper she while she was, while she, exactly, while she was waiting to hear back. Oh. Um, from a college, and this was like what she was doing to kill time until then. And then the the young guy, um, with the glasses, who's like pestering her about her boyfriend. I was like, "What? He's way too young to be working." And now, like, oh no, we are legitimately still in high school. And I, it took me a second. Um, but yeah. 
Um, well, the, and, and then, then, and then the, Steve and Robin are working at the video store, which is great. Um, that whole storyline, but yeah. I enjoyed that so much when they're looking up people's names and what they've rented and how and and then also their phone number and and their address and things sure. like that the whole database and it's like not only is it small a small town everybody knows everyone but everyone has a membership to that video store and of course you would be able to look up find out who someone was based on a name or a nickname, and then what they're renting. Now, the, it reminded me of a scene in a Sandra Bullock film, uh, which was either the late 90s or the early 2000s. I forget. I believe that the film was Hope Floats. I'm not 100% sure. But it involves Sandra Bullock moving back to the tiny town that she had grown up in, and she gets a job at the local 24-hour photo kiosk and there the person who's her supervisor is going through how you how what to do at her job and as he's wrapping up he goes and when you make the photos be sure you make a duplicate copy she goes oh do we give free doubles which was a thing back then they would run a special where you could get double prints and he goes Oh no, those are for me. Ah! And she was just ah! horrified that this man is making duplicates of every photo ever taken in this tiny town. And that's when they were looking up everybody's information in the in the video database. I just got a flash of that. And I was like, no, legit, this would happen. They had all your information and they had too much power almost. do you remember when we used to go to was it longs where you would have the the, the photo and you would have to pull open the drawers oh. by the alphabet and you could legit you could look at anyone's if you acted acted casual enough acted like you weren't suspicious you could even we, pay for them you could even take oh them oh my gosh well until until they had a problem, and, and then, then they, it was they the you had to ask, they you had to show your ID to purchase the film. Yeah. Uh, so we, we never found out what the problem, <laughs> what made that happen. The question it, is, did somebody buy someone else's photos, or were inappropriate photos being printed, knows? and they had to figure out who which I, it may be both. But, <laughs> but but anyway, and, and, but hey, I love season five. I submit that Robin and Steve should get a job at the photo mat because that's just Cause right. They, well, they've with done things. the ice cream parlor at the mall, which is great. Now they worked at the video store. Yeah. So post apocalypse, like what's going to be yeah. their part time? Oh, it'd be great. Job. It'd be so great. I'd love it. I I I love spin-off. Steve and Robin's interactions mm-hmm. are are fabulous. Yeah. I I they you can tell that they really enjoy one another and working with one another and the scenes that they have together are just are funny and it but easy it can't and, it can't touch the steve and dustin rela- relationship no and i have talked about this before that steve and dustin when they have their secret handshake with with the lightsabers which 
I have said to people, where's my secret handshake? And I, I still yet to have a, <laughs> a, 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 I guess it's not a secret, but just a special. Signature? Yeah, a signature special handshake with anybody. It's, it's very, it, it's, it's very depressing. <laughs> it makes me very sad that I've never had that. Um, I mean, I kind of did, I guess, like, in volleyball games, like, I do the double high five, whatever, when kids, like, come off the court onto the bench, but, um, there's, they have the casting, they have done such a great job with these characters, and the character development, and they... The writing goes along so well with each one of those characters and how they would respond. And now we had an introduction of new characters so, to the group. I have a list so we can have everybody's name. Um, we're going to start with new characters introduced this year. Uh, I'm going to start with... I feel it's Scooby-Doo Mysteries Reincarnated Freddy, and that is the captain of the basketball team, Jason Letterman Jacket Carver. I mean, all he needed was an ascot and some bell bottoms, and he could be Freddy today. I don't think it was possible for me to hate a character more. I mean, than so that the guy. actor's name, the actor's name is Mason Die. That's his real name or wow. his or his or his stage, stage name, name, which I mean, he brings it. He did such a fantastic job. You were supposed to hate him as soon as you saw him and guess what? He has a face he that's, delivered. He has a face that's very punchable. Oh my gosh, he did such a great job of being that guy that the story needed and whew. and when he just goes off the rails you're like yeah that's how that guy yes at any moment would just snap yeah because all the stress uh being perfect yeah and he like you said he played that role so well and that's the point is in order to be an effective actor you hate that guy uh-huh. that's the point is you're supposed to hate that guy so he did he, so did, he did, a, did a great job five he did stars amazing job five stars uh so the character the character chrissy is played by grace van Deanne. that's her name and she did a fantastic job i thought Being i thought she was one leader yeah. yes She's wonderful. yes she did a really good the job. personality i i read the fake laugh so what I read, well, we'll come back to, I'll, I'll bring that back in a second. Um, the next one, I mean, I, new star, star is born. His name is Eduardo Franco. He is playing Argyle of Surfer Boy Pizza. And he is fantastic. I mean, did you not just love him the minute he came on screen? I want to know, was the hair... It is real. I looked it up. It is 100% him. And I hope that when he read for the part, he was like, 
I don't have to cut my hair, do I? <laughs> like, I, I just, there are so many health laws that are being yes! broken by him making pizza with and that the hair. the jams he's wearing. I mean. <sighs> I, everything about him and the character, and he loves pineapple on the pizza, and it's surfer pizza, and he's. And, and, the interact. Oh, I guess we should have said maybe earlier. Spoiler alert. Because we're going to talk about everything. So if you haven't seen this, the entirety of season four, press pause and come back a little bit later. Um, when he, Argyle, has the interaction with the other franchise employee, when he they need to make the salt. Uh, deprivation sensory tank and he 100% just flat out tells him the truth of why they need the salt because he doesn't lie he doesn't he he doesn't think it's necessary I just (laughs) it was incredible it was fantastic but the fact that he was like oh I let's see and he measures L like, yeah, that'll do. I know exactly where to go. And yeah. it's like, what? And it's just, it's just, a, it's a freezer. Yeah. It's an external, it's like a garage freezer. It'd be do waterproof. You, yeah. No, oh, I, gosh. I, it's great. It's fantastic. He was wonderful. And making people eat the pizza with the pineapple. Try before you deny. That, well, if that's not a shirt, I don't know. <laughs> Get it together. Um. I, I, and then we have to talk about Dustin's new BFF, who's the head of the Dungeons and Dragons high school. Yes. So, well, the joke about that is he's supposed to be old, the actor. Well, he's supposed to be a senior. Because he's been held back. It's like a fifth year senior. So, it's that, that was like, because when he first came on the screen, I was like, all right now, people, this is getting ridiculous. He is too old. And then it's revealed he's been held back so many times. And I legitimately laughed out loud because I was like, okay, guys, I see what you did he's there. He's having okay. too much fun running the Hellfire Club. Uh, so his character name, of course, is Eddie Munson, which is not a subtle reference to the monster TV show of the 60s and of course the little vampire boy son is named Eddie Munster um that's not subtle at all but I'll allow it uh the actor's name is Joseph Quinn and he is swinging for every ball that's being pitched at him and he's just knocking it out of the park I felt he was completely trying to embody the soul of Polly Shore, no question. And I think it was a great decision, acting choice, and I thought it was fantastic. Unfortunately, his hair is not his hair. No, it's not. It is a wig. Yes. But and he's also maintain- British. Oh. He's British. Oh. Which I was like, I looked it up, and I was like, 
So we've we've got so many characters, so many actors now with long flowing hair, and now you could understand and realize why. I mean, the eighties when you, I mean, you're coming out of the Farrah Fawcett age, but mm-hmm. and then you've got the hair metal. So of course, it makes sense of why Eddie would have the long flowing yeah. locks. But the fact that he's in charge of the the Dungeons and Dragons Club at the high school, which Dustin mm-hmm. Dusty Buns is uh, <laughs> doing Dungeons and Dragons, but it would make sense of why there's kind of Steve almost gets jealous because Steve and Dustin have this special bond and this special relationship. Mento mentee. Yeah, and now Dustin's becoming really super close and buddy buddy with Eddie because. Eddie's saying, I'm going to graduate this year, and and I'm going to hand off the club, and you need to be in charge. And so, I mean, and Steve is off with Robin, and he's he's working, so it it makes sense of why everybody's got all their little independent things going on, separate from, from the group. But as the story progresses in season four, the group has to come back together. Before we move on too far, I just wanted to say I, I saw an article about in regards to the Chrissy character and the Eddie Munson character, uh, something that the, the, the producers did an interview, and they said the, wood, the, the forest scene at the picnic table where Eddie and Chrissy meet up for Chrissy to potentially buy drugs... From Eddie, that scene was one of the last scenes that was filmed in the production schedule. For whatever reason, that's just the way it worked out. And the producers have said it's one, it's a really big regret of ours that 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 happened that way. Because when we started filming. It's the chemistry between the two actors is so fantastic. And that scene, their dynamic, their energy is just leaps off the screen. We, if we had filmed that earlier in production, we might have changed some things Aww. in the storyline to give them more on screen time together. Yeah. Which I can see that, because they were. They were great. But obviously that didn't happen. You never know in the Upside Down. Right? You never know. It might influence it's, something that, for season that brings five. Out, that brings out in the Upside Down, our other new character is Vecna. Well, he's technically he's not new because he's always but we been. Can t- but the actor. Always. Who understood the assignment. Uh, that, of course, is none other than the actor, Jamie Campbell Bauer. I'm giving him the Oprah shout out because, wow. Of course, you may recognize him when he is, or you might not because he's such a chameleon, but he was one of the high council on, of the Volturi. In, in the Twilight franchise. And wow. So he is playing 
Peter slash Henry slash number one slash friendly orderly. He is, he is busy. He is a busy guy in this season. And this is the first time we, he has appeared. So he did a lot of heavy lifting. I watched an interview with him explaining... Also British. Explaining how he prepped for the role and how he was able to change his physical appearance and facial expression and cadence and tone of his voice and posture. I mean, that is someone who understands what is happening with this character that you can be you're nice you're evil you're calm you're manipulative you're vulnerable all the things and then also ultimately just pure evil and absolutely terrifying and i i just i in comparison to the captain of the basketball team, I didn't hate him. I could not get enough of number one slash Vecna slash what's his char actual character name? Henry. Henry. <laughs> Henry. Wow. I mean, that's one powerful dude. And then it also shows how powerful L is, or Eleven, and being able to combat and try and fight against him and literally pushing him and in, 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 in melting him. And Eviscerated. Into the wall, into another, uh, uh, the, the upside down. I don't want to say alternate universe because it's not. It's just the opposites and positive and the negative, the yin and the yang. But pushing him into that reality is maddening. But it, it pushes the writers, the creators push the envelope just enough that you're tapping into something that it's like, yeah, p people who can, who are uh, telepathic or, or, or uh, can use that kind of kinetic energy and, and psychic, um, you know, that, that sixth sense. That it's like, holy hell, if someone was actually bred, essentially what we find out, they're bred in a lab from number one's blood and all of that, that she's number 11 from number one. Yeah, you're able to mutate and modify it ten times before it gets her, that they're almost one in the same and that they have each, he, she has his powers and I, I just, it, it's just enough that it's so intriguing and fascinating. And you're like, holy hell. Like, you literally ripped, you know, push him through the veil and push him into the, the upside down. And I'm like, holy crap. And then I'm like, well, if she can push him in there, he can get out. And then that's the whole thing is him getting out and literally tearing a hole in the fabric of, 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 of the two realities and the and, and the fact that I loved the the portals that he opened that the portals were literally open and you could look through it 
and you could flip through from one side to the other like a coin. I loved that part in the trailer with the bed sheet as rope. I thought that was such a fantastic visual and so Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. Um, I really enjoyed that part. That and then the gate through the water, which they called Watergate. Oh, well, only Dustin did. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, that was really a clever way to do it. I didn't, the only thing I didn't understand, and I just kind of had to buy in and accept it, were the bats. You just got to have minions like, like Wizard of Oz. Wi- exactly. Wizard of Oz had the flying monkeys. They were the flying monkeys for sure. But I was like, okay, bats. And they weren't bats, bats. They were mutated. Yeah. Still, but I was like, okay, I understand you have to have probably, yeah, you have to have little flying creatures or spies or birds or whatever. But I was like, they were weird monster bats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, that was, if all the things that I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around or accept, I guess that's it. And then I think that the writers are like, really? Well, that, well, it's fine. Going back to what you said about uh, Jamie uh, Campbell Bauer um, and his many um, dimensions and emotional sides, I saw an interview with him and he was talking about uh, the interviewer asked him, how was it that he got approached mm. to be a part of the project? And so he, he said he, um, when he was asked to audition, they gave him sides. And sides are select portions of dialogue of a script. You don't give someone the entire script. You just give them selected scenes that have their character. But because there's such secrecy about the show, Stranger Things, they didn't want anything leaked ahead of time. So what they did was they gave him dummy scripts. Now, I had heard of this before, but it was really great to have him explain it. He was, what they do is they will give you either scripts dummy scripts that they have written which kind of sort of give you a feel or they will straight out get uh portions of scripts of well-known movies that already exist but have the same feeling they evoke the same vibe and you use that to audition and they if they like you enough They'll give you a call back and they will give you the actual script and have you audition with the actual script to see if they want to work with you further, which that's a lot of pressure. And he said he, they gave him two scripts from two different movies, two different scenes, so that he could show the different emotions. And he said the first one they had him read was a selection from the movie Hellraiser, horror film. And the other one was from Cape Fear with Robert De Niro, when Robert De Niro is putting on his nice guy persona 
as manipulation. So those were the two selections they gave him for dummy scripts to audition with. And based on those two things, he got a call back and was given the actual script. So that's crazy. So when he said he got those two dummy scripts, he, he said, okay, he had to think about it. And he goes, I, I think I kind of understand what's happening. I'm someone who has multiple personalities almost. So he goes, I just went full in and did two very big extremes. And hey, it worked out. It worked out very well. But, I mean, the amount when he was being Vecna in the Upside Down, the amount of makeup and prosthetics that he had to go through. So he was himself in the the, white. As the orderly in the white. Right. Which we didn't know. We couldn't see his arm tattoo, 001. And he was being very... As, as his character is literally on IMDb, friendly, orderly. And he's trying to help L escape. But in fact, he's being manipulative because he knows that if he pretends or... Well, I, I think that, well, originally he wanted to, to help her escape, but he also wanted something from her. But she got to that conclusion on her own and offered to help. Anyway, um... But the amount of prosthetics that he had to go through and wear to be Vecna in the Upside Down is on par with, you know, like Jim Carrey being the Grinch. Uh, I mean, we're talking full da- face. Dave Bautista in um, Guardians, Guardians of the, of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah, I it's it's a full the full face, the neck, the chest, the arms, the hands. It's, the it's essentially it's a skin suit. It's yeah. his entirety. But I love I love the photos of him drinking his his iced coffee. Like that everything is going wrong in the world, but this iced coffee will fix it. And it's like yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I gotta sit in this chair for, for seven hours to get all these prosthetics. But you know what? Give me some iced coffee and I'll, I'll be right as rain. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'll be fine. I'll hold it together. But um, we also find out that, you know, Harper is back. He's alive. Yeah, and he's in that Russian prison. Right. Which brings us to the other new uh, guest who is Dmitri the Russian guard who befriends Hopper and ends up getting jailed himself. And then that have- that actor's name is Tom, and I'm going to say his name wrong, I'm sorry. Wol- Wol- Wolsicha, I'll say. And then what about, uh, I thought what, he what was fan. Yuri? What about Yuri? I, well, I'm going to keep, co- let me compliment this guy. I thought he was wonderful as the friendly guard who helps Hopper. I think he was great. I really liked I think him. That, I think because he did such a good job, I think they probably kept him in the script longer. He was he was fantastic. And then to your point, the peanut bug peanut butter smuggler Yuri is Nikolai DeJerko. Uh I hope I'm saying that correct. But he was he was great too. Oh and You he, did not like I did not like him. No, I but you weren't supposed you weren't supposed to, so he That's, did fantastic. Uh, he did a great job. Um, we got Winona Ryder coming back as the mom. And then uh, who's the other guy that's the, the funny that, sidekick? That, the character's name is Murray Bauman. Murray. 
played by Brett Gelman. And oh, he was and great. Him getting his black belt. The, and, and karate the, it, and saving the day. That was fantastic. And the fact that he's soaking in a tub of ice is hilarious. <laughs> I, I love it. And he's just like, oh, we're going to do this. We're, we're, I'm here to and, help. He, he speaks Russian. And he speaks Russian, which is why everything went pretty well in season three. Right. Because she was there. But um, there, there, there's so many... You have two completely, two completely different storylines. Jim Hop, Jim Hopper. Oh, Jim, Jim, Jim Jim Hopper played by David Harbour. I just. Which good for him. He, he ended up getting prison jacked. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's been been a huge meme before and after of that. Because he didn't look like that in Black Widow. No. No. No, he did not. So Which also, uh, when that when I was first seeing trailers for the Black Widow feature film, I was like, but he's in Russia already because of the Stranger Things. It just seemed like an odd twist of fate for him. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He was in Russia for both films. But um, I... I so you have one storyline that turns into two storylines that turns into three... And then they, so they, you have the storyline split off, crisscross, and then they all come back together at the end in episode nine. And again, for you to figure out that timeline and how they're all going to come back together in the end, it's a really hard thing to do. And do it well. And while introducing new characters and killing off new characters and old characters or previous characters. And and keeping the suspense going. It's a really hard thing to do. And they pulled it off and you're going, wow, this season was better than last season, which was better than the season before, which was better than the season before that. I am so impressed how they are able to... The old, the, my only, my own, again, I'm not complaining, I'm just asking, which is the name of this podcast. Why was it so hard to make Nancy and Will's brother be together and stay together in the end? They made no sense to me. They are not... They're, they're not a good couple. I'm not saying that she should be with Steve. I'm not saying that. Well, that's not the only two choices in life. Right. To be with your current boyfriend or your old boyfriend. There's not, that's not the choice. Okay, now that you're officially physically back together in the same town. And now the apocalypse is coming. Why do they have to be together? I, I just, I, why does it have to continue to be a thing? And, um. Well, I, like I, they say in, at the end of the original film, Speed, with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, something, something she, Sandra Bullock says to Keanu after they finally get off that bus, people who get together after experiencing 
a traumatic, after experiencing a trauma together, generally that relationship does not work out. Something like that. And I was like, yeah, that applies here. <laughs> it applies. What, what do they say now? That tracks. That tracks. Why does anybody have to be with anyone? Yeah, and that was kind of a recurring thing that the show had the characters say. Robin says it. There's more when they're making the Molotov cocktails in the middle of a field with Steve. What she says to Steve, there's more important things going on than my insignificant lack of love life. And I was like, yeah. I kind of was irritated that they kept trying to push romantic themes on any character during the season because it literally didn't matter to me. The storyline was too fast. However, I understand because it's a drama that that's just what you do and that's what people like. So I understand. But for me, it's like, yeah, it's the apocalypse. This does not matter, right? I was okay with the romance between um, Elle and um, Mike because because that's the whole thing with the letters of from Mike from Mike not love. Boy, Mike. was that brutal! I was I was like, wow, that was real stuff right there. But I mean, because it's the her the both of them, it's their first like you know young love and all of that, and then they've spent time apart and um. It's we- not it's not as hmm not as dramatic but it reminded me of of my own life in junior high when actually excuse me it was well it was the first year of high school so borderline where this guy and I were a friend and he went away t- for the summer to some other to visit his relatives and that's when the movie Men in Black oh, came out in theaters. And we had talked about because we had seen... It, trailers came out way early to tease films that were coming out for the summer. You know, blockbusters. And we had seen the trailer on TV. And we had somewhat made plans. Oh, when it comes out, we should go to the movies and see it together. And he comes back after the summer. And casually mentions that he went and saw it while he was away. Betrayal, I felt, beyond. I And I didn't speak to him ever again. That happens to the best of us. So I I was feeling that scene with the letters. I really was. I thought... (laughs) But but I... One of my favorite parts about that that they go on a date in California that she takes him to the roller rink. Wow. And that uh, skate world coming at you in full effect. I the the fact that oh I forgot to tell you to bring socks and he wanted puke green or slime green and I got it and they glow in the dark 
because of the, the black light with the DJ that's like 30 years old that is playing music for high school kids and the food and and the the, the carpet, the horrible carpet and the wall that and, and, and I just that I I love that so much. And then wow. When, she, when Elle goes aggro on the bully, the female bully, I was like, yes! <laughs> but, you know what? For for a show that has so much... Uh, violence. Violence and, and the gore. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten a head wound... But when she cracked that girl in the skull in the face with that skate, it should have bled a lot more. But that's just my opinion. Because nothing bleeds more than a facial wound. and Specifically a head wound. Um, maybe they're like, oh, we gotta keep it to a minimum yeah. so people don't throw up while they're watching this. So I get that. But I loved the skate rink. I loved... The pizza. I loved so many things that are 80s. And, and, and then the music. Can we talk? Hold on. Can we talk about the Walkman and oh. the music and the soundtrack? And right now, I believe the Stranger Things 4 soundtrack, just like what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2, and now with it cut with uh, Thor Love and Thunder, which will introduce Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 that'll come out next year. But the Walkman that Max has. And, and playing her favorite song on a cassette tape over and over and over and over again. Because that's what you did before CDs. You could still, you know, you had to rewind the tape and play it. And rewind the tape and play it. And playing it at full volume. This is why I am so deaf. In addition to going to so many concerts. But I would have those... That Walkman. I would have those headphones on. And I would play my music full volume. On those styrofoam padded headphones. So good. And then now everybody's talking about the song. Running up the hill. Kate with, Bush. With Kate Bush. And... I kept on seeing people and hearing people post, or seeing people post and hearing people talk about it and going, wow, the Netflix did such a great job producing such an no. 80s. Yes, these are people who are so clueless. And I'm going, you know, I'm not the best, I don't have the best brain for a musical library. I know Heather does, but I'm pretty sure I've heard this song before, and it took me about less than two seconds to look it up of Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush. Oh, not only was it a popular song in the 80s, when it was written and it came out, they used that song 
in the opening ceremonies for the London Olympics in 2012. So who's the idiot here? Well, for me, I don't have a vast knowledge of Kate Bush's catalog, but I when when I heard them name drop her saying, you know, who's on your Walkman and said the name of the song and, and the artist, the one song I know I know by Kate Bush is from an 80s film starring Kevin Bacon and the film is called She's Having a Baby. Oh. Now, uh, I already already have chills. We're not going to go into it. But if you haven't seen that movie, you absolutely must see that movie. Now, towards the end of the film, Kevin Bacon's character and his wife, the character of his wife, are going to the hospital because she's in active labor. And during those hospital scenes, they use the Kate Bush song, Woman's Work. And I tell you what, I can't talk anymore about it because it's so much and it's just beyond incredible pairing of film and music that you might ever witness in your entire life. So to that point, the whole storyline that they're using this song, your favorite song, is able to pull you out of whatever is going on so so max's favorite song is running up the hill by kate bush and they figure out if we play the music while you're in the upside it's, down it's your lifeline essentially that you need to run towards the music the music and run towards the song which is essentially like peter pan and tinkerbell if you bell. if you clap, or the clap, she'll come back to life essentially. Yeah, yeah. And Heather and I talked about this before, and I still can't nail down an answer that I love music and songs. <laughs> and if someone were to say, "What's your favorite song? What would be your song to pull you out of Vecna? To pull you out of the Upside Down?" Folks, I don't. No. Harry Styles right now? Oh. The uh, uh, music for, for, what is it? A sushi sushi restaurant with the horns? Maybe. Could it be, uh, I'll tell you what, it's not Beyonce's Break My Soul. Well, that's not. That's not pulling me out of Vecna. That's, the thing is, is that if we're going to talk momentarily, guys, if you have not, I can't imagine it's possible, but if you have not checked out Harry Styles' brand new album as of the recording of this podcast, the, al- the album Harry's House, I recommend that you do. Last I checked, you could go on YouTube and on Harry Styles' official YouTube channel, you can listen to the entire album for free. Um, I don't Five know, stars. I don't know if that's still a thing that's available, but you can just to sample it and see what you think. Um, if Heather, it, if I was a blue to bird. quote to quote Bowen Yang when he is the iceberg <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, twelve tracks, no skips. Swear to God. 
Um, and Except this is me. Tracks, oh, oh you get a bonus. Maybe we got a bonus one because it came from Target. I don't know. But yeah, no skips. Start so, to finish. But uh, there's uh, music in this season is such a theme. It hits its own character because Eddie. When that that was so cute when when Nancy is under the trance and they're digging through Eddie's cassette I, library to uh, find something to pull her out. What is this? This is that music. This is music. And I got to tell you, I just saw that that when he's screaming that this is music, he's holding up a cassette of Iron yes, Maiden. Yes, is. The official Iron Maiden social media reposted that so she's so great and then in his in his big scene him playing master of puppets (laughs) in the upside down is the most metallica most heavy metal thing ever and they even asked metallica which if you know the history of Metallica, Napster, Napster, Napster. And they do not approve of people using their songs. Lars. Lars. Uh, they were like, we were so, we saw a cut of it. I can't imagine they didn't ask them before they filmed it. Or they were like, we well, need to make could, it as. You're going to do that kind of thing. I would imagine you put the sound in after. You put it in post. But anyway, he's so. actually playing. Well, and I don't know. Maybe they just were like, fingers crossed. So Let's they, hope it works so, out. So they, there's an interview of the actor who plays Eddie. And they go, is just that? Joseph Quinn. Yeah, Joseph Quinn. Is that you actually playing Master of Puppets? And he goes, Yeah. And so then now it's but come to out. Be, to be fair, he does no, also he, give credit to an actual guitarist. Yes. Uh, he posted a picture actually of them dressed in the exact same outfit side by side. So that when they did the close-ups of the hand playing, doing the amazing shredding, that's his quote-unquote stunt double. Guitarist, hand double? Hand double in the... Which, of course, everyone had a stunt Studio double. guitars? Everyone had a stu- uh, stunt double in this picture. But, um, but yeah, the, the actual guitarist dressed in the same outfit as him, so the frames would match. Um, so, yeah, they did have a actual guitarist as well. But I, I... the But music, they also use Dream a Little Dream of Me when they're doing... The scenes from the 1950s, 1960s in the house when uh, Vecna slash one slash Henry, when Henry's in the house killing his family. Which, by the way, that kid who's playing young Henry did a fantastic job as well. Yeah. With all the ugh, spiders and bleh. The, uh, <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. A whole different kind of Spider-Man. Um, but that... Yeah, I I really like how music was not just used, but used well, but also was its own... I feel like it was that extra character. 
And I hope that they continue that into the next season. It allowed that because in the 80s, there there was so much music and it would make sense of why that why that would be so heavily involved in this season. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. Isn't it awesome for Kate Bush? Mm-hmm. She's making that money and she's like, yeah, I'll make a new music video. Cool. Like, this is great. And I, I, I love that people are embracing it and, and discovering new music, mm-hmm. new old music. And I don't know if we've discussed this on another episode of our podcast, but um, with the, to just tangent, go off on a tangent for a moment, but that's what all we do. Because um, we're talking uh, the void. Um, the use of music <clears throat> from bygone eras um, I feel is, well, has always been done in films, but I feel like, especially the Marvel superhero films using songs from the 70s, from the 80s, the 90s even, is wonderful because younger kids now might not have heard this music ever before. And I think it's great that they're being introduced to something other than what's currently on the top 10 on the radio, which I, when I get in my car, I, I put this, the station and yes, I actually listen to the radio, um, because I want to, and I set it to the quote unquote top hits current station because I want to know I'm interested in what is being put out to the public as this isn't brand new this is what's going on and of course you know wait will you say what does the Simpsons say um the music today is loud and confusing and I'm scared um something that Grandpa Simpson says but it's stunning to me how the majority, not all, there's standouts, but most of the songs and music that's being put out currently that's brand new is extremely repetitive in nature. It'll have a cor- it have it has a chorus that's repeated numerous times and then a couple of of variations in verse but it's i don't want to say lazy because no music is lazy you have to conceive of it you have to write it you have to do the music as so i i don't want to say that it's just a different approach and it's not something i particularly enjoy um so when you hear something that's brand new being put out that's more traditional in the sense of it has more than one tone it has more than one sentence repeated 20 times that's great but you cannot it's very difficult to listen to something like that that essentially sounds like a jingle and compare it to a song 
from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, which is an incredible time in music history. You can't compare the two. They're not even in the same stratosphere. And that's why the use of these kinds of now vintage music, I think is wonderful because it shows younger listeners and audiences today, there's more for you to explore than what's being shoved at you. And you should expect more. That's all. Or they just recut and remix the, the Mariah the the, the yes. Mariah Carey the Mariah Carey song that they oh, use the for top, free. Drag. So okay, exactly. Great. So that that hit that so right. Just like you said, people may think Okay, so the current song, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the artist. Is it Doja Cat? I'm not sure. If I'm wrong, whatever. Don't at me. Yeah, I'm not going to look it up. Sorry. But there's a song with an anagram, or if I'm saying, if I'm getting the term, it's three letters that stand for something. B, D, E. Is the name of the song. If you listen to the song, you figure out pretty quickly what those things mean. Now, the hook, the instrumental hook that's being used. And the track. Like Kara just said, you may recognize from Mariah Carey's Sweet Fantasy, but in re- and that is true. But Mariah Carey sampled that hook from an 80s song by the group the tom tom club so you have so, three hit songs so she by so, three different so artists honestly i don't know who this current artist had to pay i'm hoping it's the original tom tom club got the money because they're the ones that originally wrote the song but my point is that that current song that's using that hook my I submit to you the only reason, the not the only reason, but the biggest portion of the reason people are enjoying that current song is because of the hook, the instrumental hook, and the lyrics are almost irrelevant to their enjoyment of that song. Um, so, and I believe, I, 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 again, I'm not going to look it up right now, but it is the Tom Tom Club. I believe the title of the song is The Master of Love. Oh, excuse me. I'm so wrong. Tom Tom Club. Title of that song is The Genius of Love. That's that's the title. It might not have the, so we'll say Genius of Love. That's going to get you there. Google that. Listen to the original track. Then listen to the to Mariah, Mariah Carey, Carey Sweet Fantasy. And then go and back then go to the, to the one. And you tell me. You tell me. And I'm sure the current artist did all the right things and got all the right clearances. Unlike and, uh, other people who Which go- we won't mention. But, and, and this brings me back to another thing, sorry, that I was thinking of the other day. <laughs> and that is the band Fallout Boy. <laughs> Now, there was a time, there was a time 
<laughs> when Fallout Boy came out, and they do samples of other songs, and they sample the hooks, the instrument, instrumental hooks of those songs, but they write the rest of the song is their own. They write the rest of the instrumental. They write the lyrics, but they sample the hook, which they go through all the proper channels and clearances and pay the money. But at the time when they were new, I personally took umbrage with this because I was like, you know, if you're going to do all that, why you got to sample a hook? Even though they did all everything correct, I was like, you know, that's not fair and whatever, whatever. Meanwhile, jump to today. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back. And I did. And I looked up Fall Out Boy's quote unquote greatest hits. And I started listening to ones where they all took hooks, sampled hooks and stuff. And you know what? I'm going to say it. They're, they're good. They are. They're enjoyable to listen to, and they're good songs. And so what? You if, don't if have they to sample, the wheel. If they sampled them, they put their own spin on it and created something that's really enjoyable and hooky to listen to. And you know what? Okay. Okay. Which or totally flies in the face of what I just said about that other current person <laughs> sampling from Mariah Carey, sampling from Tom Tom. But that's because the lyrics for that one are I absolutely not. But, but you then know you what? have Weezer but who like, just put out a whole album and they're all covers. Right, and that's a whole thing and but anyway, this this episode is about the Stranger Things <laughs> season four. Anyway, um. Yeah. Well, okay, hey, you know so, what? You know what? Uh, what happened at today, as of the recording of this podcast, the Emmy nominations came out. To which season four of Stranger Things got thirteen woo Emmy nominations. Do you think they did that on purpose? I don't know. Maybe. Would you like to know what they are? Yes, I do. First off, I'm going to spoil it for you so you're not waiting, hanging on the cliff. Not one of the actors got nominated. Not one. Which, honestly, I'm shocked by because I thought if anyone deserves a nomination, it would be Jamie Campbell What else Bauer. does he need to do? He's, he, what? Just, just for sitting in the makeup chair alone. He deserves. That doesn't make any sense. I agree. Um, I'm wondering. Does, does it not fit into one of the categories? Because it's not, is it a miniseries? No. Is it a TV I'll tell, show? I'll, let me, let me tell you what they did get nominated for. Okay. Nominated. Outstanding Drama Series. Okay. Outstanding Production Design. Okay. Outstanding Casting. Okay, well, there, yes. Outstanding Single Camera Editing. Oh, God, Single Camera. Outstanding Hair. 
Outstanding makeup. Outstanding prosthetic. Which, of course. Okay. Outstanding music. Yes. Outstanding sound editing. Yes. Sound mixing. Yep. Visual effects. Yep. Stunts. Okay. And uh oh there's two it's it's two parts outstanding stunt coordination okay and stunt performance it's two separate awards which i think so this all is of those, all so all this of those is are all valid. celebration of the production crew it's it is. not writing it's not directing it's not i would submit that outstanding drama series encompasses all so it's a celebration of the production crew and not the actors, which is interesting. I would, I, I but I am slightly disappointed that Jamie mm-hmm. didn't get anything. Uh, that's really surprising to me. But I guess it's also to be expected because you're competing against all these other big TV shows? I guess. I did not look up who won the nominee. Who garnered the nominations. I did not look that part up because I didn't care. (laughs) I didn't care enough. But I hope that they get something. I mean, at least the prosthetics or or casting. Because all of those nominations are solid. Yeah. are, Are spot on. So they, you know, kudos to them and and everybody who put the show together. Again, the fact that you just, that you said it, it, it's three years, ten, three years, nine episodes, old characters, new characters, dying characters. Ten, ten plus hours of content. And that's just finished content. Who knows how much they shot? A lot. A lot. I, I'm I, I could not be more thrilled, more impressed. Five stars. I wish there were more episodes. I wish that I got to see more of Eddie. I. I mean, because we've already said spoilers. His final scene. I mean, I Joseph Quinn bringing it. I, I mean, didn't run. Oh. oh, we're not. We're do do we? We're not the heroes. Yeah, that was Steve so the hero. Oh my lord! Oh, that that brings up another thing of uh, interview I saw, where this season, you know, they're in the little rowboat, and Steve dives down to investigate things first. I saw an interview with um, the actor uh, who plays Steve Harrington, his name is Joe Carey, where they said, so did you do a lot of, did you practice your diving in preparation for that scene? And he kind of laughed because he said, I've been prepping for that scene since season one because when I got the part in season one, they told me, oh, by the way, your character Steve is on the diving is on the diving slash swim team in high school, and in the first episode you're at a meet, so it's really important 
that you actually, you know, can do it. And he, he was like, okay. And he goes, I got a swim coach. I got a dive coach. And I worked really, really hard. And I show up to film day one. And they go, oh, by And the producers go, oh, you remember how we said all that swim team stuff? Yeah, we cut. We're not going to film any of that. That's not, that didn't fit into the, into the season. And he was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so he goes, I was, so when the, they, sh I read the scene when I got the script for this new season and I need to dive off the road. Like, My time has come. <laughs> so, yeah. I, again, these actors know their characters mm -hmm. now so well and they should because they're in season four so they should understand how they're progressing how they're feeling um steve driving that winnebago oh yeah and eddie with hot wiring that car and it's like of course he would know how to hot wire that car um steve driving it Everybody's in the back sleeping. Um, the big window. It's just, I, I loved that so much. And the interaction between Eddie and Steve and Eddie telling Steve, like, oh. you know, oh, great hair, cool with chicks, but, and a nice guy? Can't be, man. Can't be. But I, you know, I, I loved how they're learning about each other and go, you know, getting past those things. And I talking about those high school relationships of that you can't always judge a book by its cover. And that Steve is actually a really good guy. He's a cool guy, and I. Nancy's okay and making a sawed off shotgun in the middle of a field. Pretty sure it's a felony. And I love um what's his name's little sister that joins the D and D club. Oh too. Erica. Erica. Oh my god. She's she she is played by Pariah Ferguson. She's great. I loved how they gave her a bigger role this time. And when she's sucking on that juice box in the kitchen when they're trying to explain to her what's going on. English, please. Can I tell you a part, a part that unintentionally made me a little sad was, I can't, I can't remember if it was season two or season three, when the character Will... Um, who loves the game Dungeons and Dragons so much and he tries to get his little group of friends to play Dungeons and Dragons and they don't want to because it's lame and he gets so upset because he's like, I don't understand how you can say that. This is what we've done. This is what we do when we get to, and they blow him off to come to this season how episode uh, season four opens with them being in high school 
and caring so much about the game Dungeons and Dragons that they've joined a sanctioned club in high school with strangers and it's such a big deal that they castle um, Lucas because he's chosen to be on the basketball team rather than join them in Dungeons and Dragons. I felt terrible for the Will character who's on the other side of the country who would have literally probably died to be a part of that. That made me really sad because that's all he wanted. And he's not even part of the picture. That part I felt was kind of neglectful from a storyline standpoint. Because how how they went from like saying it's stupid to making it such a linchpin, hinging, you know, driving a wedge between um, Lucas trying to be a cool kid. That you just kind of had to push that off. But that did bother me, episode one. How cool was it, though, that they that they officially had a Dungeons & Dragons Fine. club? And they even had little shirts. Full color, by the way, which would have been extremely expensive, unless they were it... heat press from the local t-shirt mart, which is possible, but those were silk-screened. You could tell. But what's so funny is available that at hot at pretty much everything that you see on that show is available at Hot Topic, including Dustin's thinking cap, which I think is incredible. I, Love it. I, I there's so many little nuggets in in all the seasons of Stranger Things one, two, three, and four, and being children of the 80s that every once in a while something will come up and you go oh yeah. I remember that yeah. oh like uh, you know like I just maybe that that's what makes us love the show even more but it's good writing it's good casting it's good acting the the editing is fantastic. The music is great. The storyline is great. I don't know if I can handle waiting two years. Who knows? It's got to be at least two because it took it took two years for them to shoot six episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And Mandalorian season two. And Boba Fett season one. And that had less. Yeah. That had less. But they had to get, you have to uh, factor in that they had to travel to a galaxy far, far away. Oh, God. Company move. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that even though there's some of the room that, that they're trying to push the, 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 the coupling and the, the romantic relationships. The conscious coupling. Yes. <laughs> that 
I hope that they move away from that because they have the apocalypse they have to deal yeah. with now that it, that the 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 fabric between two worlds and monsters are literally coming out and people have died. Um, I'm hoping that they will focus solely on the saving of the world and putting the apocalypse back on the ground, which. If, if they really want some help, they should call the Winchesters from Supernatural because they, they have they have closed the and locked the gates of hell many times and postponed the, the uh, apocalypse and the four horsemen and even death many times. So I'm excited to see where it what else and who they recruit in their tiny town. And I will say the most unutilized character from season four was Nancy's dad. So here's the thing that, yeah, I somewhat feel for the actor who plays the dad because I feel he is doing what the show has requested of him, which is basically don't do anything. And I feel like he, as a person in real life, must feel frustrated because they literally don't give him anything to do. And that's not new. Since season one, he's like, I don't know what. He's like, I, I compared him to the adults in the Peanuts cartoons that do the wah, 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 wah. That's what I feel so, whenever he talks. They give him nothing lines. He's just a throwaway. And I don't think that's necessary. I don't understand it. Unless. Yes. This is what I'm thinking. Okay. He's a throwaway nothing. And why would they keep all of those in there that he's sitting there quietly going... Oh, it's the apocalypse. And the, the, the newspaper and the news and all of that that he seems... And then when the police are trying to find the kids and they're in their house and I just... And the fact that you mentioned Nancy knowing how to saw off a shotgun and her talking about how she owns guns and knows how to shoot a gun... The, the, the relationship between Nancy's mother and Nancy was about her being a strong, independent woman when they cry in the kitchen when she tells the newspaper guy to stick it and all that. I think we don't... They have purposely not discussed Nancy and her father's relationship. I think that she's learning and has learned some of those skills from her dad. And I think the fact that he's sitting in that house, what if he becomes another hopper? That he's going to be this surprise. I'm like... How would... And, uh, I mean, anything's possible, I guess, but I just don't see it. You think he's going to be like the horror film where he dies in the first three minutes? I mean, he's lasted this long. He's got to have a secret skill. I just don't... Yeah, I don't understand. And I've never understood the the dynamic between the mom and him. Because they give her so much. 
character wise and they gave her the storyline with um billy the hot lifeguard there was that whole arc in in season three so yeah i just i don't know it's a it's a question mark i feel like they're gonna have to pull either they're gonna have to pull those characters in and give them something in the apocalypse which by the way uh billy hargrove uh played by dakir montgomery he's he's back in somewhat a flashback uh nightmarish type so he got to work again he was on the call sheet so and he did a fantastic job once again i think season five is gonna be they either have to pull those characters in and make them part of this group and give them a special yeah i think they're they're gonna have to kill them off i mean for this next season they're I mean, I think they're absolutely going to pull everything from the past, weave them back in, like all the all the scraps that been have been cut off to make this quilt. They're going to pick them off the, of the floor and they're going to incorporate them. Um, absolutely. Now, can I tell you? I think. What I think for this next season is I feel that something that would be great is that in the end they defeat Vecna and in a Avengers type thing with the snapping of the fingers of the Infinity Gauntlet that it resets everything and everyone who has died from from Vecna from is reversed and they all come back to life so that's starting with barb and everyone and per and so that would be everybody that's died this season and this is just coming to me now what if they come all come back and eddie and chrissy end up together oh my god what would that that would be screw that kid with the glasses though from the newspaper he 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 had problems he could stay dead. Mm, well, not it's all or nothing. Yeah. Well, mental health. Those kids, everybody's gonna need some serious counseling after the after the stuff that they've seen. Well, you saw what happened when they went to the counselor. Which that never came a thing. Yeah. What, what about I the thought lady? she? Yeah, I, I thought th- she had like a key, yes. a locket around her neck, and they had to, everything was locked in a safe. Yeah, in her that well, that thing kind of disintegrated. Yeah. There, I think, I think that, I think, if they would have done ten episodes instead of nine, they could have. I fully I think they ex- cut that for time. I fully expected her to morph into Vecna, didn't you? Or that she was under Vecna's, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like... That that just evaporated. It, 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 and so I think that they had to do a cut of... Possibly. Making it look like, oh, it's lazy writing, we gotta make the leap. Yeah. Where they probably wrote it out, they probably filmed it, and were like, crap. Can I submit this to you that I'm just thinking right now? Now, this... Stranger Things. This was made P 
purely for Netflix. Yes. It was written for the screen. Yes. Meaning it was not based on source material. It was not no. based on a book. I submit to you and the world that once this Stranger Thing has ended, it has been fully concluded, I think the creators should adapt it into a novel series. Meaning from season one through potentially season five, they should transcribe it and not make it a novelization and sell it in volumes. And I bet you people would love it because they could explore things that they had to cut for time, like you just said. They could elaborate on things that they had to shorten for the screen. I think it'd be really wonderful and it would be a great revenue source for them. Not that they probably need but guess that, what, but I think I, I, it could go. I mean, I can't imagine that they haven't thought of this already, but I think it's a very viable thing to do. But guess what, Heather? I don't know. The film's better than the book. I'm just saying. I'm not complaining. And once you make a book, then you can make an audiobook. And do you know what an audiobook can do? It can get nominated for a Grammy. So, there you go. Are, are we more accolades? More accolades. Are we trying to be have an egot? Is hey, Stranger Things going to have an running up the hill? I'm just telling right? you. I'm just giving you ideas. Well. I, if you haven't been sucked into the uh, the uh, upside I, down yet of us talking into the void uh, about Stranger Things, I'm definitely going to rewatch season four again. Uh, I'm not going to go from season one all the way through again because I don't think that's necessary. Can I, but can I tell you this? I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like you've because been thinking about this a lot. Well, <laughs> if you follow us on the socials, I posted a clip from the Seth Late Night with Seth Meyers talk show where he has a little segment that he does sometimes when he sees something in the news that's so baffling and overwhelming. It's called Seth just needs to sit with it for a minute where he literally stares off into space and takes time to collect himself. That's how I felt when I saw season nine oh excuse me so episode nine of this i sat there in silence because i could not i was processing what had just occurred and it was staggering and i it hit you in the face who with like a baseball bat full of nails or uh a heavy metal guitar solo. <laughs> so, in conclusion and submission, uh, Stranger Things, if you've been watching since season one and you're wondering, am I really going to invest my time and get back into it? Yes. Absolutely yes. If you've never seen Stranger Things before and are thinking about diving in, for this season and just I'll watch episode one of season four. Do not do that. You won't under you will absolutely not understand what's happening because 
having watched all the seasons up to it, I was barely hanging on. Um, As you said at the beginning of this podcast, wait, what year are we? Oh, it's been six months. What? Yeah. You need to start with season one. Um, and it's worth your time. Don't rush through it. Honestly. Just, the be, next just, just know, just know what it's worth your investment. Um, and take your time. And it's enjoyable. Now me, personally, I do not like scary movies. I do not like gory movies. I never watch horror films. And this season is on that level. It is very disturbing. It's very graphic. I watched more than half of it behind my hand over my literal eyes. <laughs> I, I, I lowered my hand just <sighs> enough that I could see the bottom half of the screen. <laughs> and I listened for the sound effects of when my cue was that I could look. Well, the music will give you a good <laughs> Exactly. Um, suspense. And that's why they got nominated for music. They're helping me out. Anyway, um, gosh. Stranger Things. Season four, but five stars. <laughs> Absolutely. And season five, I hope, will also be five stars. I am very happy with it. I'm thrilled. I Congrats to everyone involved. Yes, a round of applause. It's great. <laughs> five stars, highly recommend. Yes. Yes. Oh, so there's that. And with that, uh, we bid you adieu. Uh, stay safe. Stay in the cabin if you can. And uh, when they walked at the very end of this, the final episode, into the meadow. Serious Twilight vibes for me. Where I they felt walked, like it was very Wolverines. Walked, walked into the meadow where there was flowers and then the dying flowers. And I was like, oh. Somehow it always comes back to Twilight for me. But, man, when the lava ripped through the town, my, and, and eviscerated Jason cut oh, him in yes. half. That was, that was a fantastic end for him. That was great. He didn't even understand what was happening. But when the, the town was ripped apart by lava, my jaw was literally on the floor. I was like, well, the, the gloves are off. <laughs> it was like Jafar had been turned into the evil genie. It was, nothing good's gonna happen now. I was like, whoo. Which, by the way, Heather, just, just one more step. Just a little further back. Oh. Somebody fell into a volcano, folks. Taking, Taking a, a selfie. selfie. That has nothing to do with anything. That's but that, that was a headline today. <laughs> That's what just I, what, Did you get the shot? Did you get it? Well, we won't know because he fell into the volcano. Unless he was live streaming. Who knows? I don't know. Wait, the world will never know. Well, say hi to Vecna for us. Yep. The bottom of the lava pit. Oh, sorry. That was a real human. That was not nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not complaining about hardly anything about Stranger Season, Stranger Things Season 4. 
Oh. So that's love from us, not from love from. I'm not complaining. I'm just asking. Bye.